Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. Um, Hope. It's a funny Christian word, I think. To be honest, I don't really know what it means. If you have hope, does that mean you hope in something? Or can you have hope without something? Or is it hope in someone? Or can you have hope without someone? I hope the weather is good today. That's hope in the weather, that the weather will be good. I hope that my sermon will be good today. That's hope in whatever I prepared here. Or I hope one day that I will have enough money to buy a Jimmy. That's hope that I'll one day have enough money to buy a Jimmy. Um, Hope is something that we can place in something or we can place in someone. So therefore, can hope be lost? Maybe you hoped the Sydney Swans would win against their their, um, Geelong Cats, but they lost 81 points at the grand final. Maybe you hoped you'd be in a better financial situation now, but you lost your money tragically a few years ago. Maybe you'd hoped you'd be married, but you found yourself calling off your engagement a few weeks out from the wedding, losing hope of a future that you envisioned with your best friend. Do you know what it is like to lose hope? It's natural for us to lose hope when we suffer. I don't know if you've experienced this, but some part of you shrivels a little bit. When you lose hope, maybe some part of you breaks, or some part of you even dies a little bit. If we hope in others, hope in our financial security, hope in a marriage and a future, when we lose that, a part of us dies or breaks or shrivels. Even more, when we suffer, we can lose hope in God. The classic question, why does God allow suffering? Really, I was thinking about it, and I think it is actually an expression of someone with a lost hope in God. Say for the non-believing woman who finds herself with breast cancer for the second time. She's sitting there in the ward crying, through tears, trying to reconcile. Is there really a God who loves me? Or for the father who lost his faith when he was a kid, when he loses a son tragically in an accident, and he visits his grave and he's angry. He is furious. Why would a God be angry like this? Why would a God allow this to happen to me? Even more for the Christian who has a faith. We think, when we go through suffering, I thought God loved me. I thought I worshipped a God of peace. We had hoped in a God who was kind. We'd hoped in a God who would do anything for us. And we hoped that we would never, ever experience this God who could be angry or experience a God who did not care about us. When we suffer, it's as if as we do, it changes our view of God, and often sometimes for the worst. In these experiences, when our world falls apart, our understanding of God somehow seeps through the cracks and we realize that it might be flawed. Our theology might not be quite right. We've realized that we've built our hope in this gospel that says that we will be blessed. We've built our hope on this perception of God that he is um, powerful. We've built our perception on a denial that we need grace. In these experiences when our world falls apart, our broken theology shows. 
When Job suffered, we have an insight into his view of God. What he can only conclude is that he's experiencing an angry God. Job, throughout the book in the first few chapters, all he can conclude is God is angry. And he feels that God replaces the care that he once had for him is now turned to only violence. In chapters 14 to, um, sorry, 15 to 21, um, in the second cycle of speeches between Job and his companions, we find him deeper and deeper in this pit of despair. As Ian preached last week, the first cycle of speeches, the companions were agreed that Job was wicked and therefore deserved the suffering that he was enduring. Here they go again, but they have no compassion for him. And they are convinced that he is suffering because Job is wicked. But he is a righteous man and he declares that he knows God. Humiliated, enduring pain, emotional despair and relational loneliness, Job finds himself in a spiritual crisis. And we pick up here in chapter 16, verse 7. Surely God, you have worn me out. You have devastated my entire household. You have shriveled me up and, has, and it has become a witness. My gauntness rises up and testifies against me. God assails me and tears me in his anger and gnashes his teeth at me. My opponent fa- fastens on me his piercing eyes. People open their mouths to jeer at me. They strike me, my cheek in scorn and unite against me. God has turned me over to the ungodly and thrown me into the clutches of the wicked. All was well with me, but he shattered me. He seized me by the neck and crushed me. He has made me his target. And in chapter 9, his anger burns against me. He counts me among his enemies. That's a pretty descriptive poetry of Job explaining that he sees God as angry. But furthermore, in this dialogue, we see that there is this underscoring notion as well that Job is convinced God does not care about him as well. In chapter 16, his archers surround me. Without pity, he, he pierces my kidneys and spills my gall on the ground. Again and again, he bursts upon me. He rushes at me like a warrior. God is violent. And, and God also humiliates Job, which is a further confirmation that God does not care about him. He has alienated, alienated me from my family. My acquaintances have completely estranged from me. My relatives have gone astray. My closest friends have forgotten me. My guests and my female servants count me a foreigner. They look on me a stranger. I summon my servant, but he even does not answer, though I beg him with my own mouth. My breath is offensive to my wife. I am loathsome to my own family. Even the little boys scorn me when I appear. They ridicule me. All my intimate friends detest me. Those I love have turned against me. I'm nothing but skin and bones. I've escaped only by the skin of my teeth. In suffering, Job was was concluding that God was angry and that did not care for him. It's almost as if you get a sense that Job is this close to losing hope. 
His suffering has been so extreme that he's this close to giving up on God. Randy Alcorn writes in his book, If God is Good. A faith that leaves us unprepared for suffering is a false faith that deserves to be lost. When people lose their faith because of suffering, it's usually a faith that is weak and is not prepared to face the reality of suffering. A Christian who often discovers in suffering that his faith has been in the church, in his denomination, or in his family tradition, but not in Christ. Perhaps Job had his hope. It was directed, but maybe his theology was slightly off. Perhaps Job had his hope in a God who would never allow suffering, but yet here he was. Perhaps Job had hoped in a God who loved him and who would always only express blessing to him, but here he was in in a pit of despair. Perhaps in these moments of just giving up, Job holds on to something. And we can read in chapter 17. Just embrace this Hebrew poetry for a bit. It took me a while to wrap my head around it. (laughs) But come on. um, So he's responding to the comment of his companion. But come on me, all of you, try again. I will, find a, I will not find a wise man among you. My days have passed. My plans are shattered. Yet the desires of my heart turn night into day. In the face of darkness, light is near. Then he continues. If the only home I hope for is the grave, if I spread out my bed in the realm of darkness, if I say to corruption, you are my father, to the worm, you are my mother or my sister, where then is my hope? You can see, who can see any hope for me? I will go down to the gates of death. Will we descend together into the dust? When Job is at the very bottom of this pit of despair, He realises he can either look to his grave and he can find hope in his death or he can look past and look up and see this light that is coming from the darkness. Amid suffering, Job lost his hope but he found it and redirected it into the right direction. When his present situation was bleak and it did seem like Job might die, for a moment there, He had a vision of something bigger and something greater than this world, something that could surpass the suffering, a hope that could endure. And here we understand that his theology may have been broken and it may have been um, shattered in the suffering, but it seems like he's kind of restoring it in this moment. God has taken away what he thought Job thought of him and God is re-establishing it and God is rebuilding it. And here, this is the verse that is the most important. In this midst of suffering, Job has a vision and he confesses, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I, not another, how my heart yearns within me. Amid suffering, Job rediscovered his hope in God being his redeemer. 
God was no longer this God who would not allow suffering to a good man. God was no longer this angry God, but God was this redeemer, this person who would come and save him out of this despair. But it's interesting, this word for redeemer is hardly used in the Old Testament. It's only used when Boaz saves Ruth and she calls him his, her kinsman redeemer. And its primary, primary meaning is the one who restores, the one who puts back together something to its original condition or into a pristine condition. So Job's confession of God that he is redeemer He's saying in this moment that he's placing his hope in God, his Redeemer, who will be the one who will put him back together into a more pristine condition. Amidst suffering, Job has a vision of seeing God face to face, a vision of his resurrection, a vision of his eternal reality. And this hope of the Redeemer will be sufficient for him to endure the suffering that comes in the rest of the book. You can see this is actually a turning point for Job. This hope, this vision that he now grasps is strong enough to sustain him in his suffering that comes. Because he says, how my heart yearns within me. It's as if that vision is never, ever, ever going to leave him again. But the thing is, we live in the age we do. And we know that Job probably had no idea about the Messiah, that Job was, um, probably had no idea that he was hoping in a resurrection because he probably wouldn't have any idea what that was. But we stand here knowing that our Redeemer is Christ. And we stand here knowing that our Redeemer lives, that he came and that he died and that we can find our hope in him. For the early church, this was their hope. Imagine if Jesus was here five years ago. That fire and that hope would be so vivid and so visual for you. That's why the, the early church and the letters all, you can thread it through, their hope is in the resurrection. I think we've lost that. I know in my faith, I think I've lost the importance of having the hope in the resurrection. Because that hope, as, as Job expresses in that pit of despair, that hope of everything being made new, that is what will help us endure through the physical suffering, through the breast cancer, through losing your child, through not having enough financial stability, through not knowing what your future looks like. The hope of our future reality will be the turning point in how we go about suffering to come. So hope, what does it mean? Is it a funny Christian word? Or is it a thing that sustains human life? In World War II, you might know of this man, Victor Franklin. He was an Auschwitz survivor from the prison camps. He's wrote a lot of literature that has become um, popular in philosophy as well. He says, once hope dies, you die too. Between Christmas 1944 and New Year's 1945, the camp sick ward experienced a death rate beyond all previous experience, not due to the lack of food shortage or worse living condition, but because the majority of the prisoners had lived with the hope that they would be home for Christmas again. 
When this hope was unmet, prisoners found no reason to continue holding on, nothing to look forward to. Philosopher St Thomas Aquinas defined hope as a future good, difficult but possible to attain by means of divine assistance on whose help it leans. A future good that is difficult but possible to attain only through divine assistance on which the help comes from. Maybe that's a better definition of hope for us. For we read in 1 Peter 1, 6 as well, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, or the proven genuineness of your hope, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Franklin, the, um, the man who survived Auschwitz, wrote again, just as the small fire is extinguished by the storms, whereas a large fire is enhanced by it. Likewise, a weak faith is weakened by predicaments and catastrophes, whereas a strong faith is strengthened by them. Perhaps this is a word for us today. Is our hope in Christ? I went to Redeemer Lutheran College, which is a few of you also went there as well. And I didn't appreciate it at the time, of course, but our school motto was a Latin phrase, um, spes nostra in Christo est, which means our hope is in Christ. Which I found was amazing that Redeemer Lutheran College, and that was their motto. Our hope is in Christ, our Redeemer. So as you go about your weeks, whether you are in the midst of suffering or whether you aren't, our hope is in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you that you have a purpose for everything, Lord, and we thank you that suffering will refine us, Lord. It will refine our hope. It will refine our faith. But in that, Lord, you will refine it into a more pure hope and a hope that purely rests on you, Jesus. So we pray this week, Lord, that you would do that work in us, that you would shape us and you would shake us even if you have to, Lord, and that we would read Job, Lord, and we would find this turning point in his life to be the turning point in ours, God, that we would see you and consider you our redeemer in the place where our hope needs to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. Windsor Road Baptist Church is a growing intergenerational and international community of people committed to whole life discipleship. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church.